So Matthew 16, it says this. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Uh, the context of this is that, uh, that uh, Peter had, have a, had a revelation about Jesus being the Christ, the son of the living God. And that revelation is what he was building the church on. And so I've got the church, a rescue boat or a cruise ship. Cruise ship. How many people have been on a cruise on a cruise ship? Oh, I went on a cruise on a cruise ship. Uh, Ellen and I, before we had kids, we did a Greek island tour on the cruise ship. And I can tell you the food was phenomenal. Probably the best food I've eaten. And, and I was young and slim, so I just ate everything I could in every moment that I could. And uh, it was great. We went from island to island. Uh, we went to Patmos, the Isle of Patmos, which was quite fascinating. They took us to where they think John had his, his vision and wrote Revelation, which uh, again, you're never sure whether it is quiet or not, but it was, it was amazing fun. I, I mean, I love the church. I love the church. Uh, I don't love the church because it's perfect. Because we know it's not really. A, well, I mean, it's fascinating that Jesus says, I'm coming for a perfect bride. Uh, the only reason the church can be perfect is that Jesus' forgiveness flows just like you and me. Uh, you know, we're saved, but we've still got some imperfections and don't look at anyone in particular. But uh, we've all got things we've got to, got to work on. Same with the church. The church has got to work on it. But I love the church because it's Jesus' church. And I love the church because the church is you and me and it's the hope of the world. And so this morning, I, I, I'm going to, uh, you know, it's sign up. Sunday, and so I'm, I'm going to be pretty, pretty straight, really, if that's okay. You're okay with that, eh? I'm just tricking you into it, so just say, yeah, yeah. Um, look, the church needs you. The church needs you. <clears throat> you need the church, and the world needs the church. <clears throat> um, you know, there's a huge amount of research that suggests that people, people who are involved in a church community are more likely to maintain their faith and continue their Christian walk. Uh, it's often referred to as the stickiness factor. People who are, become connected to church or a church community are more likely to stick to their faith or stick with their faith. Uh, studies have shown people who are regularly attend church are more likely to report four things. A deeper and more meaningful relationship with God, higher levels of spiritual growth and maturity, greater satisfaction with their faith, and a stronger sense of community and belonging. These factors can all contribute to a person's commitment to their faith and their ability to persevere in the face of challenges. The church is important. Yeah, you know, the other day I was uh, <clears throat> I was going a walk, and I, I've got this sort of well, I've got about three or four different walks that I do around our place, depending on how much time I've got. You know, so different ones, and and the more time I've got, the more hills I'll try and do. Uh, the less time, the less hills. And uh, anyhow, I was I was walking the other day, and I sort of do what I call a rock, which is a run and a walk. Okay, it's got a little bit of a run. Uh, but not for very far, and then I just walk, you know, just, I don't know, just 
psychologically make me feel like I'm doing something. Anyhow, I do my rural walk, and, and when I run, I, I really give it, like, like I don't do a small, I do a real run, uh, just, just a burst of thing. Uh, anyhow, burst of energy. Anyhow, I'd done this, I was on doing my, my usual walk, and I'd done a big run, and then I'd sort of started walking, and I'd gone into a mode where I was just really thinking about something, and I felt that I, I was on a, on a roll thinking about how I was going to solve this, this, this uh, issue, and I just, I just carried on walking. And suddenly I sort of came to, because I was walking with my head down and looked around and went, heck, where am I? <laughs> and I'd, I'd just carried on walking without really, and I missed a major turn um, that meant that I was five or 600 metres down the road in a totally different place than I normally walk. And, and look, honestly, it was like, like waking up in the wrong place. You're sort of going, what, what's happened? And I suddenly realized, oh man, now, now I have to go back 500 meters. So it was a longer walk than I was intending. Um, and and what, it, what struck me as I was walking along going, wow, how did that happen? And I thought, you know, you just get into automatic mode. You put your head down and you walk. And I think we can be doing that in our Christian walk. We just put our heads down and suddenly we realize, heck, where am I? I wasn't supposed to, I was supposed to turn back about 500 meters. Um, and so... This morning, I've, I've got a list of things that I'm going to challenge you with, and I want you to rate you uh, rate yourself on it. Now, a few uh, weeks ago, I did uh, balance in life, didn't I? And I talked about eight areas of, of life that I felt needed to be in, in balance. So, so this, to me, is about just a, a question where you can look at your own personal Christian walk and go, how am I doing? How am I doing? Is there anything here that I'm going to mention that you go, heck, I haven't been doing that or I haven't done that for a while. Um, I, I think these are f- definitely things that if you are a, call yourself a Christian, if you're a disciple, that you will be sort of at times putting in your life. Now, look, none of us have got them all sussed. As I read through this list, um, I, I went, oh, I need to work on that. I haven't done that. And a few people contributed to the list and I tried it out on the staff and, um, and a few of them squirmed, which was really good. Uh, it's always good to get people squirming, isn't it? And so uh, are you ready? Ready for my list? Are you ready? So do you just think as you go, maybe f- pick one or two where you go, oh, that's interesting. I probably haven't done that for a while. Uh, just a verse for you. Uh, in 1 Peter 2, 1 to 3, it says, rid you, Therefore rid yourself of all malice, all deceit, all hypocrisy, envy and slander every time, like newborn babies crave spiritual milk. I think we've all got to be working on things in our life so that, uh, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. And I think grow up in your salvation is a constant. It's not you arrive. Oh, I've arrived. You are always growing. You are uh, always changing. So here we go. Here's my first one. How's your prayer life? How's your prayer life? Do you pray often? Is it just a passing thing? Is it something where you set time aside? Jesus definitely set time aside to pray. Now that can be hard in a busy schedule, but how's your prayer life? When's the last time you just went, I'm just going to go pray. Uh, for me, I love the, the walking's a great way for me to pray. It just, it's just, it's good. It's good. It works for me. Uh, you got to find what works for you. So how's your prayer life? Uh, two, when's the last time you prayed for someone? We're in a conversation, you said, hey, can I pray for you on that? When's the last time you just prayed for somebody? And then on the other side, when's the last time you said to someone, hey, can you pray for me? I need, I need help on this. 
that all right? You're going, some of you are marking, oh, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm okay. <clears throat> and, and don't look at your spouse during any of this, just, just for, for, for the sake. Okay, Bible reading. Are you reading your Bible? Have you been reading your Bible? How often are you reading your Bible? Is it something you do all the time or is it something that's, that's haphazard, is once a month? Is, is it collecting dust? Have you read your Bible? And then on top of that, four, when's the last time you did an actual Bible study? It's one thing to, to read it. Have you studied something, looked up something, worked through, through something? Five, uh, when's the last time you shared your faith with someone, witnessed to someone? <clears throat> Sharing your faith is, is I think, a, a part of actually growing. Uh, and one of the things that I, I once read was that actually to grow in your faith, one of the most strong things that will help you grow is sharing your faith and ch- talking to people about God. So when's the last time you had an opportunity to share your faith with someone? Uh, six, are you regular at church? You're all here today, so you can just relax. Yeah, I'm here. But are you regular? You know, and, and funny thing is, is, is what does that mean? What that meant 20 years ago is possibly different to what people accepted here. But are you regular? Yeah, 80% of the time, look, this thing's come up. That's, that's, that's part of life. But are you a regular at church? Um, seven, when's the last time you fasted? <clears throat> do you do some sort of fasting of some sort? Have you just to challenge your faith and to get it going? When is the last time you've done sort of fasted? Eight, are you serving? Are you fulfilling God's call on your life? Are you doing some sort of service somewhere? I think every one of us should be doing some sort of serving. Um, nine, loving people. Um, now, this, this is a hard one to work out, but are you actually doing things that consciously show that you love people outside of just your family? You know, family, they, they, they should get it. But have you done something conscious where you go, man, this is about loving people, doing something for someone? Ten, uh, singing, praise and worship. When's the last time you did praise and worship, which wasn't just in church? Where you put on some music and you just worship God and, and sang your lungs out or put the, uh, you know, your earpods in and away you went somewhere and listening to worship and uh, singing in the car, which is always a good place to sing. You do get the odd funny look, but that's okay. They'll be right. <clears throat> so praise and just worshiping God out of your own passion. Uh, helping people. When's the last time you helped someone in need? Just jumped up and thought, man, I've got to help this person, saw this need. Uh, basically the good Samaritan. Uh, Twelve. Uh, when is the last time you actively worked on something in your character? I know a lot of you, you got nothing to work on. I know some of us have got more things than others, but you're working on your character. What is your character doing? Uh, are you involved in missions in some way? In, in supporting people, doing, doing mission, whether that's local, uh, New Zealand, or the world. Uh, are you doing it? And hopefully you've supported Sean. Um, I should have got the video that he sent me that I played in B&I this week for him. That was fantastic of him uh, looking after kids and, and bits and pieces. That was great. Um, what else? Um, uh, when's the last time you had a, a, a biblical discussion with someone? Got, got some people around outside of, say, connect group, but you just talked about something in the Bible, something you were going on, like a natural conversation about, about our passion about God. 15, when's the last time you moved in the gifts of the Holy Spirit? You know, we got these gifts there for a purpose. When's the last time you moved them? Uh, now, uh, stewarding time, how good are you at stewarding your time? Would God be happy with how you steward your time? 
That's a great question. And the last one, I just put this right at the last one. How's your giving going? And uh, <coughs> Ruth did a great job in just talking about that. Financial giving, tithing, how are you going there? Okay, there were 17. They're, they're pretty quick, aren't they? But hopefully you went, oh, there's something that maybe I should just try. Because I feel what happens in our walk is we just get, Christian walk, we just get into automatic mode and we've got to do things that are just add to it and it's not it doesn't take much but to freshen it up you just push yourself a little bit further so the other day um in my bible reading i uh i read uh in acts 9 15 which will come up in a moment um The context of this Acts 9.15 is that Paul or Saul has been uh, struck off his, his horse or whatever and has had a, you know, a, on the road to Damascus fear, uh, experience with God and suddenly, you know, whoa, and he's now blind and he's gone to a, a house where he's sitting there, he's fasting and he's waiting for something to happen. And God speaks to a guy named Ananias. I've often wondered how many people God actually went to. With an, Ananias was number five in the line, and he went. God went to five people, and they went, "Heck, no! I'm not going to go see Saul. He, he's dangerous." Uh, but Ananias is asked, and he says, "Hey, man, I don't know whether I want to go talk to Paul. He's he's the guy. Or Saul. He's the guy that's been persecuting the Christians." And this is what God says to him in Acts nine fifteen. But the Lord said. Go for Saul, Paul, is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings as well as to the people of Israel. And I know about you, I love that. Hey, chosen, we're chosen, you're chosen. He was chosen specifically to take the gospel. That was his, his mandate, why God had chosen. But then it said this in verse 16, and it sort of messed with my head a little bit. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. We really don't understand that, do we? It's quite a, quite a different uh, possible approach than what we've been thinking. And then I read this uh, you know, further on in my readings the next day, and, and I suppose I'd started seeing the word suffer and thinking about it. And in Acts 14, verse 21, it says, After preaching the good news in Derb and making many disciples, Paul and Barnabas returned to Lystra, Iconium and Antioch of Pisidia, where they strengthened the believers. They encouraged them to continue in their faith, reminding them that they must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. It doesn't sound encouraging, does it? (laughs) I'm encouraging you. You must enter many sufferings to enter the kingdom of God. Man, we don't like that. And... uh, I think what's happened is our understanding of and our constant preaching about the salvation message has sabotaged our thinking and that we think Christianity is about making life better for us. It's about making it trouble free, free of suffering. You know, salvation by grace, and I love salvation by grace. It it refers to salvation and forgiveness of sins that is not by human effort, but instead it's a gift from God made possible through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, Salvation is not based on human merit or good works, but on the grace of God, which was freely given to you all, or given to all of us who believe in Jesus our Saviour. That's the doctrine that we believe of salvation. However, we're also encouraged to give our life for Jesus. In fact, all the disciples except one, I think, 
died for their faith. See, the thought of tribulation to enter the kingdom of God is something foreign. It's, it's suggesting the idea that following Jesus and living a life of faith requires sacrifice and perseverance. Christians may face persecution, opposition, difficulties as they follow Jesus, but they are encouraged to remain faithful and endure these challenges, knowing they will ultimately enter the kingdom of God. And so here's what I think happens is we think of salvation, but we, we don't think, we, we think, oh, well, then I'm, I'm going to get a good life out of this. And I do believe in, in, in God changing our lives. I believe in a thing that I think my dad used to call about redemption lift, that people who got saved, their, their actual life changed just because of they changed their habits. And, and a lot of times they would move out of poverty into being middle class or being a, a lot more financially better off about the good life. But that's not the main thing. That's not the main reason. That's a, a byproduct. Um, I can remember, I don't know if anybody ever remembers Ray Comfort. How many of you remember Ray Comfort? And he'd do his, his um, yeah, he, was pretty, he was pretty strong on his salvation. And I remember him telling the story of um, saying, you know, if, uh, how did he put it? He, he used an illustration of telling people to come to Jesus and it'll make your life better. But he'd use the illustration of telling people, hey, who are in a plane flying from LA to Auckland, hey, if you put on a life, a, a, a parachute, your trip will be better. And he says, it's like saying to a whole lot of people, hey, look, put a, put a parachute on, you're in a plane, put the parachute on, it'll make your, your trip a lot more comfortable. And so he had the illustration, he'd tell about people putting on their parachute and sort of sitting there all hunched up in their tiny little, they have, they're in economy class, of course, then uh, hunched up in economy class trying to, with this parachute on and they're looking around at everybody else and they've been sold this idea that, hey, you put the parachute on because it's going to make your ride more comfortable. But the actual parachute is about saving you from when the plane crashed, which is a stupid thought in itself. But anyhow, but but they would look around and see, well, everybody else is enjoying the flight. You know, why? This isn't making my ride more comfortable. And it's a misconception of what salvation, salvation is about our eternal position of when we die. But it's not necessarily there to make your trip more comfortable. In fact, it will probably make your trip a little harder and will involve a bit more of a challenge. You see, the church, coming back to my whole thing, which is the church is not a cruise ship. The church is not made to be a cruise ship for everybody just to enjoy themselves. It's a rescue boat. In a world filled with turmoil, disasters and pain, the church should be a safe haven, a place where people can find hope, comfort and salvation. But too often we see the church as a cruise ship where people come to be entertained, pampered and have a good time. The church is not meant to be a cruise ship, but a rescue boat. A vessel that goes out in, on, into the stormy seas to save those who are in danger and bring them back to safety. And I don't know about you, that excites me. Now the thing is, in a, on, a, on, a, uh, <coughs> on a rescue boat, everybody's there with a purpose to rescue. And likewise, the people on a rescue boat who have been rescued are very grateful and thankful. They're not too worried about the conditions of the, uh, the seating and the food. They're just happy that someone's rescued them. 
Whereas if we have a view that, hey, I'm here to just enjoy. I've spent my money. I'm here to cruise. I'm here that, man, I need to be able to do everything that I can. I need to be able to be looked after. I need to be able to eat the food well, all those sorts of things. I think it's the wrong concept. And that's where, for me, I, I come back and go, we, we need everybody on the rescue boat doing their job. And sometimes you end up with a job that, that is probably quite horrible. I remember going on the, uh, the latest boat that uh, they have for res- Marine. I can't remember what it's called, which one. The Koha, I think it's called. Um, the boat that YWAM's got out there and going down there. And, and we went down into the engine room. What a horrible place the engine room was. It was hot. It was yucky. And they had three people and they said, our job is just to keep the thing going and to be in the engine room. And I thought, that is a horrible job. You poor people. And they weren't even paid. They were doing it voluntarily. I'm thinking, man. But that's what it's like in the church. There are jobs where you just feel like, man, I'm not, I'm not seeing what we're doing up there, but I'm, I'm grinding away. I'm doing my job. But it's part of and creating a rescue boat. The church is, a, is like a rescue boat to bring people to safety, to help them find their way back to God. We are called to be workers in the Lord's harvest field, to go out into the world and bring people to Christ. We're called to be like the Good Samaritan who saw a man in need and went to his aid, pouring oil on his wounds and taking care of him. We're called to be like the disciples who left everything behind to follow Jesus and spread the good news. The church is not meant to be a place where people come to be entertained, but rather a place where people are transformed so that they in turn can go out and transform the world. People are interested and sometimes we don't realise the little things we do that has major effects. So uh, I, I got to have lunch with two people last week, uh, a Thursday, like it was, it was a one-on-one that people in, uh, that I've got to know through BNI and both of them asked me about could they do an alpha course, which <laughs> I'm great when people are asking you if they can do one. But one of the guys said, you know, about eight or nine years ago, I was going along to mainly music. And uh, at that stage, he was in um, Papamoa, and he went to the one that Andrea did. And he says, oh, I can just remember going week in, week out to, to mainly music. And, and here he was now in his journey going, hey, I think I need something more. I need to ask more questions about this. Would you, would you help me on that journey? And I'm thinking, you know, sometimes we don't realize that the steps that were eight or nine years ago of interaction with someone is sowing seeds. And here's this person now going, man, I'm at this stage. I think I really need to, to do Alpha and, and what time are they? And they're coming up. We're doing one in Tauranga soon on a Wednesday night. Honestly, if you've got someone you could invite to Alpha, it'd be, it's life-changing. But I just go, we, we forget sometimes. We don't realize just how even being friendly as someone who walks into church. I am blown away. Last week, just in Tauranga alone, there was, there was two people that, that basically, one was in church because their seven-year-old at a Pillins Point said, I want to go to church. So the parents there, specifically because the young boy has said, I want to go to church. And then they, this guy comes in and meets people and gets welcomed and chatted. And now the people who welcome him may not even know anything about him, but here suddenly it's changed his life. And then there was another lady. She just said, oh, look, I just haven't been to church for years and I, I just really feel I need it in my life. God is actually moving on people. I'm, I'm convinced of it, possibly more so than I've ever seen. But we need people. And, and it's as small as 
giving someone a hug and saying hi to them to as much as, as taking them on a journey with you. The Bible is full of people that have made a difference and God is all about rescuing. You know, he, he rescued Moses from the Nile, but he had a purpose for them so, they could, so he could deliver Israel. He rescued Jonah, but he rescued Jonah because he had a purpose for Jonah to go to preach to the people in Nineveh. You and me are rescued by Jesus so that we can rescue those people around us. <clears throat> I love it. So this morning, my challenge, always two challenges. First challenge is if, if you don't know Jesus, uh, Jesus is, is a saviour. He, <laughs> he, he's a saviour that, that changes your life and gives you a relationship with God. I'm not promising that it's going to be an easy journey, but it's the best journey. It's certainly worth it. And if you don't know him, I'd, we'd love to introduce you. And maybe the person you came with or the person you know here uh, or one of the leaders, you could ask them and they would happily tell you about giving your life to Jesus and, and pray with you. The second thing is we need more workers to bring in the harvest. And you look, I'm one of these people that go, I think... Everybody should do a job. Everybody should be involved with something on a Sunday and maybe something during the week. I just, uh, in our household, everybody has to do a job. My wife's quite adamant about everybody doing job. And uh, I hate doing the dishes, to be totally honest. It's not my favourite. And mowing the lawn isn't really up there as the number one thing I'd like to be doing on a sad day afternoon. But we've all got to do jobs. It's just part of it. Now, if everybody in our family does their job, it's really easy. But what really does annoy me is when one of my children don't do their job and I have to do it. How many people have experienced that? No, no, don't put out your hand. You might get in trouble. You might get, someone might see something. <coughs> oh, we've all got to do the jobs, whether we like it. I think and everybody needs to be just doing something. Now, the, the thing is, is if everybody does something. Uh, then, then you don't have this thing where, you know, I think I talked about a few weeks ago, you know, 20% of the people are doing 80% of the jobs. If we're all doing our bit, it means that, hey, we get hopefully at least one Sunday off, one Sunday on at minimum. Hopefully the, the ideal is that, that it's, you know, you're on once every two to three Sundays. Uh, and, but it's part of connecting in and it makes a difference and it makes it easier to go and look, you guys are all, I feel like I'm preaching to the converted because the smaller the church, the more you have to do anyway. But the more we do, the more it grows, the more it makes a difference in people's lives. So can I encourage you? Be involved in something on a Sunday, small, easy, whatever you can do. Uh, I did have the thing uh, that I said, uh, once you're over 80, you don't have to do anything. I think 80 is a good age for it. Oh, are you in there? Okay, okay you don't, I don't think, you know, you've got to have some stage where you, but until you're 80, I think, man, everybody should say, you know, one of the things that happens to people is the longer they've been in a church, the more they think they've already done their job. It happens because you go, oh, well, I have served back then and, and I, I was in a connect group back then, but no, I'm not in one now. And often when people go to a new church, they suddenly go, oh, I haven't done all the things. So they suddenly get involved in doing, man, I better do something. And actually it reignites their faith and they jump to another level in their Christian walk. Well, I go, that's great. But why don't be someone who goes, no, no, I'm going to be someone who's consistently right in there because it's, it definitely helps your faith, but it makes a difference to saving people. Is that all right? Let me pray. Father, I thank you for each person here. And Lord, oh, we, we are so aware of how much you've done for us. You gave your life for us. 
you went and suffered and died for us. And Lord, we thank you for the free gift of salvation. Uh, Lord, but we also come going, we give our lives to you. You're our King, our Lord. Uh, we follow you. Lord, I pray you'd help us to do what we're called to do, each to do our bit. Father, not out of a legalistic uh, forcing, but just out of a joy that we want to serve and give back to you, Father. Lord, I thank you for each person here. Lord, I pray that this year their faith would grow, their relationship with you would be far more alive than it's ever been. Father, I pray that you would speak to each of us, and Lord, that we would have that living relationship with you, that, Lord, we would focus on you in everything in our lives. We love you and we thank you for all you're doing in our life. In Jesus' name, amen.